we're going to uh, watch a uh, about a five minute six minute video uh, from uh, what's going on in uh, in South Africa. You're going to see Jared up there preaching and and doing all of that. So it'll kind of give you a little preview of what we're going to be doing. Uh, also, I want to tell you this: we are able to get a group rate without committing. We're lock. We can lock in twenty or thirty seats on an airplane without locking down anybody's name or giving them any money. I just got off the phone with them today, so um, that's really cool. It's a good price, and uh, so what I want to do is I want to just encourage you. I know that you got a little encouragement from uh, from Nathan. I want to just kind of amplify that one more time too, and just say um, sometimes you have to write your name down when you have no money. Because that's how that's how faith works. You you kind of plant a seed, and then God says, "Oh, you are serious about this." So what I want to say is, you know, you say, "Well, I'm broke and I can't go," and 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 don't worry about that. Just say, "Does God do? Do I think God may be leading me in that direction to go?" Then put it down. Okay. Then we'll take the next step and see how God begins to work because we've got some time to get there, right? Got that? So we want to encourage you if you want to go. I mean, I can't think of anything greater than to take 20 or 30 people from here to South Africa and get you all fired up and, and excited about that. Amen? Okay? It's going to be really great. And if we take 50, that's cool too. All right? I did tell the staff today, our church staff, I said, not everybody can go. Somebody has to run this ship. Uh, the good news is that John will stay. He's not going because his wife is due the next week. But... Don't think I didn't try. I even emailed her. I said, Emily, can't he please go? I mean, you know, I can get him home in 24 hours, and, you know, you know you'll know, you know 24 hours in advance. And, you know, you know how far that went? Yeah, it went nowhere. It went nowhere at all, okay? Then I tried to say, well, why don't you just go, and maybe the baby's born, dual citizenship. It'd be really cool. You know, I'm just trying to think, 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 all right? Um, hey, I want to, uh, before we do this, um, Stu, you've got some news, huh? Uh, can you guys come on up here? Yeah, this is what happens. This is what happens, okay? Uh, I'm going to let them share, and then I'm going to, uh, we're going to watch the movie, okay? So come on up. You want to come on up? Not really. <laughs> well, you don't feel too embarrassed. You're getting up on the platform here. Doing good. Okay, go ahead. And why don't you, both of you share, one of you share, whatever. Go ahead. Um, this is Maria. I'm Stu. And uh, Maria had a terrific grandmother as she was growing up that kind of pointed her uh, in the direction of the Lord. And um, I think that um, this... Uh, Direction became a little bit more stronger and stronger, and I'll let her uh, tell you a little bit about what happened tonight. Um, well, I sat next to Stu, and we started talking about Christianity, and if I am a Christian, I've never been baptized, um, but I did make a commitment to Christ tonight. Thanks to Stu. She believed in her heart. She confessed with her mouth. She's already witnessed um, this to two different people, Pastor and and um, Mike, is it? Doug. Doug. And um, she knows that this is the day that uh, she's made the commitment Amen. and confessed it. 
So I said to her, I said, you know, that today's your spiritual birthday. She said, I've already written it down in my journal here. And uh, so uh, the Bible says that the angels in, in heaven rejoice over just one soul who's saved. And so we rejoice with you tonight. And uh, we're so excited that you now have the spiritual birthday and you know it for sure. God bless you. Amen. Boy, you just never know what's going to happen at this place, do you? You know, it's funny, we, we, we have a class on healing, and people get healed. We have a class on evangelism, people get saved. That's why that bonky video was so good. If you start talking about healing, people get healed, you know? And by the way, I just want to let you know, I was, uh, I've been corresponding with Chris Gore, the guy who wrote the book on healing that we used in the first class, and he's going to be coming um, in 2015 to our church. Yeah, amen, isn't that cool? Um, okay, let's uh, let's go ahead and watch the video. Amen. Isn't Jesus wonderful? So, guys, uh, 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 we are doing twenty school outreaches a week. So we got four teams doing five schools each a week, each a day. Four teams doing each, uh, each a school a day. That's twenty school outreaches a week. So I just want to let you guys know when you come to South Africa, we've got so many preaching opportunities for you. So you're not going to just be on the sideline uh, spectating. We want you guys to participate. So that week when there are 20 school outreaches, uh, the first day I'll do the salvation message just so you guys see how we do it. But every day thereafter, we're going to divide all of you guys up and you guys are going to get to preach to 800, 1,000 students a day. Uh, those of you that feel comfortable and we as a team feel comfortable, you're ready to preach to the whole assembly, then just to remind you from 8 in the morning till 1 o'clock in the afternoon, uh, the kids have class, uh, 40, 50 kids in the class. So that's 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock. So you're going to get to preach in, in five classrooms a day. So uh, that's tw you're going to preach at least 25 times during those five days that you're in South Africa. And for those of you that also want to counsel kids like that, uh, you're welcome to. And these kids have gone through everything in life. Uh, gangs, uh, you know, gangs is very big uh, with the youth in South Africa. Uh, one in four uh, girls is sexually abused. One in five boys. So, so most of the kids that come through for counseling, I mean, half of them are, are sharing with you how they've been raped and abused and molested. So, so you, you're really speaking to kids that have got the worst uh, things happening to them. And in every school, uh, the, the schools in the townships where we spend 99% of our time, uh, you've got at least 20% of the kids that the only food they get is once, once a day at school. And the teachers tell us, you know, during school vacation, our hearts are broken because we don't know how these kids are going to get food because uh, the school feeds about 200 of them. And they, 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 there's normally like 20 plates. And uh, it's just the saddest situation. See, like, I mean, I've been doing this since 2002 uh, in the schools of South Africa. And, and every school I do is, is, a, is, is just an honor and a privilege to, to reach those kids. So I really want to encourage you guys to come. And, and let me say this. This is a defining thing. If, if, um, 
Carlos Slim or Warren Buffett or Donald Trump was your relative and they, they said, I'll write the check to come, would you come? And if, if you would come then, then, then that just means money's stopping you from coming. And, and our, our God is such a great God and, and he can provide for you. Uh, the very first time I wanted to go on a missions trip was to Reinhard Bonke's crusade in Lagos, Nigeria in the year 2000. And uh, one of my students from Bible college, I was a lecturer, uh, he came to Jabeir Park to see me preach. And he said, uh, oh, I've just come back from Nigeria. I did a motivational thing for Pepsi-Cola or Coca-Cola, the guy that owns it. And you need to go to Nigeria. And I said, well, in fact, Reinhard Bonke's doing... Uh, which is now his biggest ever crusade uh, in Lagos. We had 1.6 million in a single service on the last night. I said, Reinhard Bonk is doing a crusade and I really want to go. And straight away, this guy said, I'll pay for your airline ticket. I thought, what? Are you serious? Then I was speaking to a friend of mine and these weren't even people. This guy wasn't even in my church. He was someone who I just met. Then I was talking to my other friend and uh, I said, you're not going to believe what just happened. This guy came and he listened to me preach and he said I should go to Nigeria. And he said he'll pay for the ticket. And all I need now is the money for, for, my, for my accommodation. And he said, I'll pay it. And literally like in two days, the Lord supernaturally. And I can tell you so many stories of God's supernatural provision. But it started off with a desire for me to go to Lagos, Nigeria. That was a dream. That was a vision. That was a passion. And, and because I, I, I did, the Lord uh, uh, took me there. So it starts off with that desire. If you want to go and you can get time off work, then, then come. And the Lord, put, put the Lord to the test and, and, and he'll provide for you. Amen. Amen. Well, this is an evangelism uh, uh, class. <laughs> class. We, I say class. You, Drew says class. Um, <laughs> um, so we've got some wonderful testimonies of some of you guys that have been sharing the gospel that I've just kind of bumped into and, you know, church and tonight. So I, I want uh, um, Dan, Ted, and our teacher is a Kathy. Kathy, just to come up here to my left. They, they, they're just going to spend a few minutes sharing uh, divine opportunities to share the gospel that happened with them. Uh, Kathy's a teacher, and she's going to share with you, with you guys what happened. Well, I'm a substitute teacher, and last week I had an assignment where I was substituting for a teacher who's ill, and she had a student teacher in the class teaching, so all I did was sit in the back of the class reading our book, and... Um, on Thursday, she told me that she needed me to job share with her because her professor was coming in to observe her. So she gave me a script, and she said, I just need you to do this part. And I said, okay. And I really didn't pay that much attention to what it was because I usually you know, can ad lib it. So anyway, she did her part, and I get up front, and I put the book down, and it's on teaching the Great Awakening. And I just started laughing, and I thought, God, you're so funny because I was reading it in the back of the class. So we read this short paragraph, and it was talking about some of the um, preachers in that day and how they were going from city to city teaching people that they could have a relationship with Jesus, and it was a matter of their heart and not their head. And there were vocabulary words that I could tell that the students just didn't understand, and one was revival. And so I asked them, 32. 
So I asked them if they knew what revival meant, and they didn't. And I said, well, have you ever heard of Greg Laurie or Billy Graham? And they said, yes. And so I started to explain to them what they do, how they go from city to city talking about Jesus Christ and that he's God and that the Protestants and the Catholics believed in the same God and Jesus, but they just had a few different little rules that, you know, they didn't agree with. And so I just went talking and talking on and on because I was so excited about it. And the professor in the back was watching me, and, and she didn't leave. She was only supposed to stay for 30 minutes, and she stayed for about an hour. And I kept talking. <laughs> so anyway, she left the classroom, and she came back later. And she said, that was the best lesson I've ever heard. She said, I didn't want to leave the class when you were teaching. And so it was, it was God because... I had no idea that I was going to teach that day. I didn't know what her topic was, you know, to be teaching. She had written a, a plan for it to give to her. And um, I just knew it was the Lord. So it was very exciting. Did you, did you get the opportunity to explain to the children who Jesus is? Yes. I told them who Jesus was and that those men went because they wanted the people in those cities to experience that you could have a relationship with Jesus and that you could talk to him just like you talk to anyone else and how it would change your life. So I just went for it. And I said all that. And I realized I couldn't go the next step because it is a public school. But um, <laughs> the kids just kept asking me more questions. And so it was very exciting. Yeah. My, my, story, my story is actually my wife's story. Yeah, it, it, yeah, but so it, we kind of, uh, she was working in the church and I came to visit her. I was up front and she asked me to do something and uh, the door was open and someone walked in and my wife just was on him. Okay, like, no, but, but she was just sharing with him about the church and what was going on and, and, uh, uh, she had him a, a pile of books, and I'm listening to her go, wow, we, and he's, he's just eating it up and listening to everything, and he's hungry, and he says, well, I've been coming past this church, and I've been having a desire to come in because my post office is still here, oh, wow. okay? And he said, so for some reason, I just came in the door today. Well, he came to church on Sunday. Oh. He came to the front. And my wife gets out of the way to let someone out of the aisle. And Mark comes by and says, can you come to the front with me? And so we both went to the front with him. And uh, Mark is sitting behind my wife right now. Yeah. And, and he accepted Christ into his life. And and he's at, he was at men's Bible study uh, last night, and, uh, and my wife lined him up, had piles of books for him to read, and, he, and, and he's in class today, and uh, so... So, yeah, so it's very cool. Well, I'm not going to give you a real success story, but um, 
I hope that um, this story uh, encourages you guys to um, take a risk. And I'll just quote Phil on Sunday that God has honored every step of risk that we've taken. And um, <clears throat> so we have lawyers that work for us, and um, they've come on, you know, been really led to us just supernaturally. And I, I would pray and say, you know, Lord, are we supposed to bring this lawyer on? And there was one particular lawyer that we met. Cheryl and I met her and interviewed her just about two years ago. And, and you know, in speaking to someone, maybe they're a believer, maybe they're not, um, you know, maybe they're agnostic. But I just prayed, and I, I felt like we were supposed to bring her on. She had a good heart. But I've known all along that she's not a born-again Christian. And so she's been very receptive to the way that we practice law. The, we talk a lot about the spirit the spirit realm and how to uh, how our battles never against flesh and blood and and when we're litigating that's I mean you really put that word to the test it's it's pretty amazing and so she's always been very receptive to um, to these concepts and and I've actually told her I said you know I'm going to demonstrate to the best of my ability how to love my enemy that word changed my life as a Christian and how I practice law and so she's again listens to all this stuff she's very receptive. But um, this class, I was telling Jared, has really, really kind of kicked me in the butt because, you know, when you talk about the workplace and you talk about people that you've had friendships with for years, um, it's one thing, like Tammy was saying, to talk about your faith, but it's another question to ask them those questions. And so I got in my car, I was meeting um, this lawyer up in L.A. this last Thursday, and the Holy Spirit was just like, this is the day. So we get done, and we actually saw a miracle happen in the case. I mean, it was—it it may have been small, but it was huge for our clients. And and when I knew, I looked right at her, and I said, that was a miracle, Shannon. And um, <clears throat> so we went downstairs in the, um, in the uh, cafeteria of the courthouse up in L.A., and we were there for about two and a half hours. A lot of tears, and um, I just, I said, Tammy, I know the Lord has asked me, the Holy Spirit has asked me to speak to you very succinctly today about, about where, you, where you are with him. Um, long story short, I asked her the questions, and she said, I'm not ready. And um, I, I just knew that there was going to be a risk. I knew that I was putting our relationship on the line. I knew that it, it, she may leave us and just, you know, I, in so I just go back again to that to that statement. God has honored every step of risk we've taken, and of course, leading reading Bonky's uh, book for today's um, class, you know, it, it was really about love. And and what I, I just want to give you this as my testimony, it has totally changed my relationship with her. And I talked with her again tonight. I've talked to her three times since last Thursday, and I said, "How are you doing?" And um, I said, did I mess with you too much last Thursday? And she said tonight, she said, you know, I really honor our relationship together. And I really, I love listening to what you say and the relationship you have and how you talk about God and, and all this stuff. But, and I said, Shannon, you don't even need to say it. I love you. And there's nothing that's going to separate us. I'm so proud of you, the way you practice law. You do such a great job. What I was telling her is I'll never leave you, Shannon. Now, she'll come to Christ. I'm, I'm convinced of that. But when I took that risk, it has totally changed the nature of our relationship. And I've asked her to watch me as a Christian and to call me out if I don't do what I'm asking. Because I said, and I asked her, it was a, kind of an interesting question. I, 
I knew she was wrestling with what we were talking about. And I was going down what, what um, Phil just took as I was proclaiming. Um, I was definitely, you know, preaching to some extent. But she asked me some very good questions, and, and you have to be prepared to answer those. And she said, what's up with salvation, being saved and born again? And, and uh, can it just be God? Why does it have to be Jesus? You know? And that bothers the world. That's, that's what makes demons tremble, that name. So, um, but then it's, it's really discipling and, and being a witness to her. And, and it was just a confirmation as Phil was going down that list because, like, we, we covered kind of all those points in, in one meeting. But I just wanted to tell you that it, it came down to one word, love. And <clears throat> I've had two years to lay a foundation with her. And if she doesn't believe when I say I love her, then maybe I don't have the credibility to share the gospel. But Jared encouraged me. I said, Jared, remember, this is a testimony about how she didn't accept Christ. And he goes, no, Ted, you didn't fail. You did your job. And I'll let him. He's got some great language about that. And I, I had a revel, just kind of a, a neat little revelation when Jared said that. I was like, well, I did lead her to Christ. She, she just didn't accept him at this point. And... um so I know there's people in your workplace <clears throat> on the way over here. I had a partner for 22 years. He knows all about my faith, like Tammy was saying, but he, he, he has not given his life to Christ. And if I love him, then I have to ask him those questions. We lived in law school together, had a law firm together, and I've never, I've never asked him those questions. So I just encourage you to take a risk this week maybe and go to somebody that you work with your business partners people that you've worked with people that you are around all the time and and just see what god will do it was pretty amazing and um i i asked her this one question i said now shut up but i said i asked her i said shannon i want to ask you a question i totally give you permission as a christian do you think i'm weird you know i mean have i ever acted weird to you and she said, with all sobriety, she said, no, you haven't. And I said, do I talk in some weird kind of language to you, or does it make sense what I'm talking about when I try and demonstrate the way we practice? And she said, no, it, it does. And that was really affirming to me. But I've, I've built a relationship with her, and now it's like I just I had to lay it out there. I can't not say something. And um, so it's really stirred me up with a, a whole lot of other people in like our building and people that I've known for years. And um, I, I'm kind of interested to just see what the Holy Spirit's going to do if we really have the guts to step out and take that risk. Amen. There's a very well-known uh, preacher. He, he's with the Lord now, John G. Lake. Have you heard of him? A uh, very powerful man of God used in signs and wonders and miracles and I mean, he, and, and he went to South Africa and he started what's called the AFM, Apostolic Faith Mission, which now has about 2,200 churches. And it started by John G. Lake. And uh, he was a highly successful businessman here in America, earning $100,000 a year in the early 1900s. And he was a top insurance guy and a newspaper guy and this and that. And uh, why he finally left business to go into ministry is everyone that came into his office for a deal, he, he, would, he, he, he said, I, I was more concerned about their salvation than, than cracking a deal with them, you know. And, uh, but uh, you have to take that risk. Uh, 
and that risk is um, popularity normally. Uh, one preacher I heard, uh, uh, he said, uh, the Lord said to me, what do, I wa what do you want to be, popular or effective? And he said, well, being a Californian, I said, Lord, I want it all. I want to be popular and effective. <laughs> He's an evangelist in San Francisco. And uh, the Lord said to him, popularity is something you use up telling the truth. So I know we all want to be popular and, and we want our friends to love us, our family to love us, our, our work colleagues. But true love is, is telling them the truth about Jesus. And, uh, you know, if you just bump into someone who you know you're probably never going to see again, then by all means, you know, share the gospel with them. Uh, but if it's people that you work with and family, that's more lifestyle evangelism. Yes, they must see love in your life and that you're kind and you, 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 you're a good person. But um, that kind of gives you, earns you the right to share the gospel with them. Like if you're the worst guy at work and you never do your job, you never listen to the boss, you badmouth everyone, please don't share the gospel because <laughs> no one's going to take you seriously. But, but if, you, if you're great at your job and people respect you, then, then take them out for lunch. I mean, no one at work's going to say no to a wonderful lunch. You know, take them to their favorite restaurant during lunchtime and, and share your testimony. And just take those opportunities. Amen. So we've been going through all the groups that uh, we're going to establish in the church as far as strategic evangelism is concerned. So I'm just going to go to point number 14. Um, and w what we're going to do, because um, uh, there's a lot of, there's like 20-something pages. Whichever one you tick that you feel that you're called to, we're going to print each of these 25 different outreaches out. So if you feel you're called to schools or, or the convalescent homes, we're going to print that out and give it to you. So I'm just going through it quickly and roughly, but uh, a more detailed uh, version will be given to you according to which one you want to get involved in. So number 14 on the list is politics. How many know the politicians need Jesus big time? And, 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 and the more, the more, the more we, we just need to take opportunities to reach the politicians. I got a friend who just did a campaign about two months ago in Washington. He had the, I don't know what it's called. It's like, an, uh, like a few thousand seater auditorium right next to the White House. And he had it for 10 days and he had revival meetings and he took one of his books that's purely the gospel and they gave it to every senator, every congressman, every, everyone in, in Washington. Like he, he printed 100,000. And he just covered Washington with, with, with the gospel, so to speak. So, so on our own level, we need to reach the politicians. Uh, maybe you know some councilmen, the mayor, senators, whoever they are. Uh, let's take those opportunities of reaching them. And for those of you that really feel called into the political realm uh, to reach politicians, we want to establish a political outreach team. Uh, so... Um, so that we can strategically go about reaching Republicans, uh, Democrats, um, and everyone in between. Amen. So the way we can practically reach them is by personal visits. And that's what he did. During the day, he went to the White House and he knocked on senators' doors and he preached the gospel to them. And that's what John G. Lake did in South Africa. He went to uh, the Union Buildings in Pretoria, which is like the White House of 
of South Africa, and he knocked on doors, John G. Lake, and, and preached the gospel one-on-one. -on -one. He wasn't just a mass evangelist. Uh, he took the time to go and lead those politicians to the Lord. So, so you know, wherever in Orange County the politicians are hanging out, uh, if you know some of them or you have influence to see them, and, and don't necessarily go there to criticize them, uh, go there to share the gospel with them. Amen? So those of you that feel called to, to uh, reach out to the politicians, uh, we can establish that outreach team as well. Number 15 is sports. Now, especially America is crazy about sports. Uh, some nations, you know, sports is, is everything. So those of you that are involved in sports, I know we've got some sports coaches at Esperanza, football coaches. Maybe some of you are, are in the sporting world, whether you're agents or managers or whatever. We need to establish a sports outreach team. So what we did practically in our ministry is um, we, we normally see what big sporting events are happening in South Africa. And then we, we take that opportunity to reach people on that level. So South Africa had the World Cup soccer. Uh, I know soccer is not big in, in America, but it's huge in South America, Europe, and, and Africa. I mean, soccer, you know, the round ball thing, not football. Soccer is like taking uh, basketball, baseball, and, and, and uh, the NFL packaging into one. That's how popular soccer is. So what we did was we saw, okay, there's going to be the World Cup in South Africa for 30 days. Let's go to the fan parks. Let's go to the, the stadiums and let's organize outreach teams so that when all the visitors from all the nations of the world are there at the fan parks where they have like huge screens and thousands of people showing up, we had teams at the fan parks doing one-on-one -on -one evangelism. And, and we handed out 200,000 salvation books or, or, or booklets um, during the World Cup uh, into 200,000 people's hands. We shared the gospel one-on-one -on -one with thousands of people. And then a great miracle took place. Um, one of the, the best soccer players in the world, Ricardo Kaká, uh, he's a Brazilian soccer player, and um, he's like top three of them. Uh, he's slipped a bit now because he's getting a bit older. He's like 32. But... Uh, but like uh, five years ago, he was, Ronaldo was probably, is probably number one and Kaká probably number two of the most famous soccer players in the world. Just to tell you how famous he is, uh, Nike had him as the, as the poster person for Nike during the World Cup and Sony had him as the poster guy. So as famous as he was, every billboard was Ricardo Kaká and the great thing about uh, Kaká is he's a Christian and he loves the Lord. So one of my board members in South Africa was at a luncheon and she met this, he met this lady from America who now lives in Italy who's very good friends with Ricardo Kaká. And she made uh, a DVD sharing his testimony. And he, he printed about half a million of these DVDs and he sent 90,000 DVDs to South Africa to be distributed during the World Cup. So she arrives not knowing how to distribute them. One of my board members meet her. Oh, you've got to speak to Jared. So I connected with her. we become good friends. So we, we took 45,000 of those DVDs. And whenever Brazil was playing outside a stadium, we would hand out free Ricardo Kaká DVDs. And because he's like the most famous person and everyone loves him, even 
people that don't support Brazil, everyone was taking these DVDs. And when they slipped it in, he starts speaking how Jesus came into his life. So, so we've got to do the same kind of thing here in America. I was preaching at a, uh, at a uh, uh, four-square church, had like a youth conference. So for three weeks, I preached like every day for three. It was three youth camps, so five days, five days, five days. So at one of the camps, I, I, I saw this really huge guy, and I didn't know who he was. And I said, hi, I'm Jared. He said, oh, I'm, I'm Clint. And I, I said, what do you do? And he says, no, I'm a, a, I'm a, a football player. I, I play for the Seattle Seahawks, the, the team in, I'm sure, I don't know who the Seattle Seahawks are, but obviously you guys know <laughs> who the Seattle Seahawks are. So, oh, that's great. And, and so what do you do now? I'm the line snapper, and I love the Lord. I'm here at the camp teaching about football and sharing my testament to the kids. So I told him what Ricardo did uh, with his DVD. And I said, why don't you get the Christians on the Seattle Seahawks together? Let them each share their testimony. You share your testimony and make a, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 minute DVD. And when you guys have a, a home game, like we did for the World Cup soccer, you can hand out DVDs. He said, wow, that's a great idea. So we exchanged numbers and about a month later, he, he, we, we, like we text each other every two weeks or whatever. So he texts me, he says, you, you know that idea about making the DVD? We almost finished. He took it to heart. So what they did was they made a 15 minute DVD. You can go on YouTube and if you put, put their Clint Gresham making of a champion, uh, They've had over half a million hits on YouTube and he printed and he paid for it himself 30,000 DVDs. And at their first home game, he had all his friends or whatever handing out the DVDs to all the people that came to the home game. So that's people using initiative, using their resources, using their gifts and talents to reach people in the sporting community. So we can do the same. I mean, there's, there's baseball matches at Angel Stadium, at the Honda Center. There's, there's so much sports happening. And what I've come to find out, which is so amazing, college football is huge. So, so you don't even have to take the most famous people in America. You can take well-known football players in, in, in a certain college team here in Orange County or Los Angeles, get some of them together. Uh, so, so that's just some ideas for those of you that feel called. Oh, and the great news, which I'm really excited, uh, it was announced a few months ago, Kaká's coming to America to play for the Orlando, the Orlando team, and he's the highest-paid soccer player in the league. So I already contacted Sandra to see if we can do something when he gets here. I don't know what we're going to do, but we're going to use him, amen, <laughs> to let, let him become a little bit famous in America, and then we'll, we'll use him for something. Number 16 is the, the entertainment community. Now, how many know the entertainers need Jesus? Now, entertainers typically, depending on how famous they are, they don't typically come to church. So, so we need to reach out to them. So if you're involved in the entertainment community on, on movie sets or recording studios, or you're an agent, a manager, a scriptwriter, uh, you name it, the Lord wants to use your gifts and talents to reach those kinds of people. So we, I believe we need to establish some kind of an outreach team over there. Um, and you know what I've come to see? And, uh, and I think we've all come to see that 
when you build for Jesus in the entertainment community, people actually don't ostracize you. Because look at Passion of the Christ. Before Passion of the Christ was made, think of all the Christian movies that were made. A lot of them were like very seeker sensitive. Like we can't mention Jesus because it might offend someone. Let's, let's share a good moral message. But Passion of the Christ really showed us that you can make a full-on Jesus movie and, and people will want to go and see it. Uh, God's Not Dead, they spent two million making it. It's made like $60 million or 60 or $80 million. And, and all the Christian movies that are coming out. So, so um, those of you that feel called to the entertainment community need to be bold. Um, Billy Graham did a crusade in Los Angeles when he was 31 years old. And, um, and he only had like 14 sermons, so it only was meant to last two weeks. And then I'll get into it in, in one of the future ones. But William Randolph Hearst, who's like the modern day Rupert Murdoch of like Fox, like a really big um, media tycoon, got behind him and said, Puff Billy Graham, and the crusade took off. And then as the crusade went on, famous people started coming to the crusade and getting saved. And they started inviting Billy Graham to, to their houses and whatever for Bible studies and whatever. And I'll never forget, if you read it in one of his books, one of the, the famous guys, like really famous like actors of the day, said, Billy, don't try and compete with us. We're better than you. Now, now think of that. Hollywood, is be- they're better looking. They're better with lights, camera, action. But what he said, and, and this like pierced me, and, and I believe this is going to be key to the, the, the third great awakening in America. They said, if you give us the word of God, we'll come listen to you. So yes, we want to have a spirit of excellence. We do want the best sound, the best lights, the best uh, of everything. But they, they can do better, you know, with, with their big budgets and whatever. But if we give them Jesus and miracles and healings and things that they can't experience in, 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 in their concerts at the Staples Centers, they'll come here. When they hear that people are getting healed, people are getting set free, people with addictions are getting set free like in a second where they were in counseling for 20 years, when word gets out, they're going to come. So those called to the entertainment community, um, we need to pray especially for you because that's a hard uh, group to, to reach. Number 17 is gangs. Okay, this is my final one for tonight. Now, uh, I'm a nice Jewish boy from Johannesburg, and I'm not a typical person that the Lord would normally use to reach gang members, but strangely enough, he has. Um, when, we, when we do a lot of campaigns around South Africa, uh, you know, there's, there's anything from 50 to 100 to 200 and when I say gang members, I mean people that knife people, people that do evil things. I'm not just talking about, oh, you know, they, they're like polite kind of people. These are like serious gangsters. And, and like I said last week, some of those prisons we've been to are hardcore. But um, I believe that we need to, to reach the gangs. And you don't have to drive more than half an hour, 40 minutes from this church and, and they're gangs. So maybe some of you have come out of gangs. Maybe some of you have had experience reaching gang members. What, what I've seen with gang members that get saved, they are the most radical Christians. Think of normal gang members, especially when they're involved in, 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 in drugs. 
they they like businessmen. I mean, they know how to market, they know how to distribute, they know how to, they know how to get things done. But Satan has hijacked their calling. Satan has lied to them, deceived them. And, and when we get Jesus into them, they become really, really amazing Christians. So I, I really want to encourage us to reach the gangs. My first ever outreach to a school in, in America was Compton High School. But you know what? I, I'd had so much practice in, in Cape Town, in, in, in Mitchell's Plain, Belhar, Makassar, the Cape Flats. Do some Google searching on uh, the gangs in Cape Town and the Cape Flats. I mean, some of the worst gang members in the world, second to none. Uh, like I said, I don't know if I said it here, but uh, Ross Kemp did a, a thing on Discovery, the worst prisons in the world. And when he went to Paulsmore Prison, which is in the Cape Flats, he said, in his opinion, this is number one or number two of the worst prisons in the world as far as killers, murderers, like the most evil people. And all the residents of the, of the prison come from, from the schools. So, so what I've come to see that if you preach a bold, bold message to these gang members, they respond by getting saved. A, a, a great movie for you to, guys to watch is uh, The Cross and the Switchblade, uh, the story about Nicky Cruz. And uh, we actually brought Nicky Cruz to South Africa and he preached in the Cape Flats and, and like so many gang members got saved. So, uh, you know, you don't have to have been a gang member. Uh, preferably you have been, <laughs> but uh, you don't have to have been. Just my final, story, my final quick joke before I hand over to Pastor Phil. So when we were doing all these, uh, when we were doing this five-day campaign in Compton, and, and interacting with the youth of Compton High, about 2,200 students, 30 or 40 registered gangs at the school. Um, I mean, this place was like a like boiling point. So all these guys are, I'm from this gang and I'm from that gang. I said, guys, with all the Bloods and the Crips and all these gangs, I said, your gangs are nothing. I said, me, I come from the fiercest gang on the planet. I said, we, we called the landlords. It's a Jewish gang. I said, you mess with us, we, we, we evict you. I'll evict your mother, I'll evict your cousin, I'll evict your grandmother. Don't mess with me or we'll evict you. Okay, some of you caught the joke, but not all of you. Amen. Thank you, guys.